The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank you for listening with us today. I am very glad that you have joined us here. As usual, we're going to have a great guest and a great conversation. I want to thank you also for liking the Spirit of Recovery page on Facebook and for making your comments and also for sending uh, emails to me and letting me know how it's going for you on your spirituality and recovery journey. It's uh, great that you're participating with us here in the Spirit of Recovery community. And I want to thank you as well for letting your friends and the people in your recovery and your unity community know about us here on Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. And uh, I, it's great to be broadcasting on the subject of spirituality and recovery. And great to know that what we're doing here on Spirit of Recovery is making a difference for you, that you are getting inspiration and information uh, that are supporting you on your spiritual journey, on your growth, and in your recovery. Um, I want to let you know also that if you are enjoying Spirit of Recovery and and or also the other great programs on unityonlineradio.org, you can financially support this radio network. You can do it very easily via your smartphone. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727, and you can make a one-time donation or set up a recurring donation, and all of that money goes to supporting this nonprofit endeavor, which is unityonlineradio.org. Also, you know, you can listen to Spirit of Recovery as well as uh, any of the other programs on Unity Online Radio in a variety of ways. You can listen through your smart device. You can listen through your computer. You can listen live, and you can listen on demand. Simply go to www.unityonlineradio.org slash program slash Spirit of Recovery to find our great archived programs. I want you to know that the spirit of recovery is a welcoming place so that if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of addiction or if you're the family member or friend of someone that's got the disease of addiction, um, whether or not they are in a recovery process or whether or not you are in a recovery process as a family member or friend, um, you're welcome here. 
or if you're someone that's just curious, interested in the process of recovery, and you're looking for information, we're happy to have you here listening to the Spirit of Recovery. We welcome your participation. If anyone has a comment or a question for my guest that's on our topic today, we're just happy for you to call in or email in, and we'd be delighted to address that. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I am your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and an addictions counselor. I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people that have the disease of addiction. And 33 years ago, those relationships were a catalyst to get me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. And my walk continues to be an integration of the unity principles and the recovery principles. And that keeps transforming my life. And it keeps me growing, and I am very grateful. So I'm... I'm delighted to have the opportunity to share with you the wonderful guests and all the great information and inspiration that they bring and also to hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality and recovery walk. So today, our topic is spirituality. It's good for your brain. And um, there's a lot of very interesting research that's coming out that says that spirituality is not only good for your attitude, but there's brain imaging research that shows that it's really uh, great for your brain and that uh, it also indicates that overall health is impacted very positively by a very active and regular spiritual practice so that when we practice those spiritual beliefs and spiritual awarenesses that we have, it's uh, very beneficial. My guest today is Bill Starr, and Bill um, has a doctorate of ministry. He is a certified uh, chemical dependency professional in Washington. He's a master um, uh, chemical dependency professional. He also is currently the chaplain at the Sundown M Ranch, which is in Sela, Washington. It's an, an addiction treatment facility which has a wonderful reputation and has been around for a very long time. And Bill has been the chaplain there since 1998. Bill also is a frequent presenter at statewide conferences where he focuses on spirituality, trauma, and grief recovery, and also at international conferences. Um, he was a recent presenter at the NADAC conference, which is a uh, national conference for addiction professionals. And um, Bill is going to share with us today a lot that he knows about the potency of spiritual practice and how that affects uh, people in recovery in such positive ways. He's going to share with us about the brain science that's, again, uh, affirming that. And he's also going to share with us a wonderful method that he uses uh, to share with people who are new in recovery, and that's called the four Ps of spirituality. You can learn more about Bill and his work at www.sundown.org. That's sundown.org. So, Bill, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. Well, thank you so much, Anna. It's great to be with you. Yep, glad you're here. So, um, I again, I was uh, grateful I got to hear you very recently at the NADAC conference that happened to be in Seattle and was just really uh, struck and touched by what you were presenting about spirituality and um, spiritual practice and, and uh, the research that that is now really validating that from the scientific perspective. So tell me a little bit about what got you interested in in the brain science of spirituality. 
Well, I think that one of the things that got me interested was um, other kinds of, of brain studies that were doing were being done that this looked at the effects of chemicals, chemical use, alcohol, and other substances uh, on the brain, and uh, uh, some of the changes that happen in the brain as uh, people are using those mood and mind-altering substances. And and then some research was starting to come out that was showing uh, similar changes that would happen in the brains of people who uh, were practicing a, a variety of, of spiritual practices. I think the first one that I uh, became acquainted with was, uh, was done uh, back in, um, let me check my notes here really quick to make sure, but it, it was sometime uh, around 2006 where they were actually, they studied two different groups of, of people. Uh, one was a group of Buddhist monks and another was a group of Franciscan nuns and uh, hooked them up to SpectScan uh, device and uh, watched them as they were involved in deep meditative uh, practice or, or prayer, and uh, uh, what they saw was that there was a significant change in the brain and uh, that it uh, had a, a significant impact on their uh, way of thinking and, and feeling. And so uh, what, uh, what that kind of sparked with me is to say that there's uh, something very powerful going on uh, in the mind when a person is involved in, in uh, active uh, prayer and meditation and that it could actually, there, there actually could be a key there in a way to uh, address uh, the effects of, of chemicals on people's lives. Uh, what, what followed for that with me was uh, I was uh, given a, a paper that was uh, written actually in March of 2006 by the National Center for Chronic Disease Prevention, uh, and uh, they were making recommendations in anticipation of the Affordable Health Care Act uh, of directions that health care could go to try to provide uh, services for people uh, in general and uh, not necessarily targeting uh, addiction, but just healthcare in general, and they came up with eight specific recommendations of things that they thought would be important to include in that plan, and uh, number three on their list of those eight recommendations, uh, and I'll just quote it for you here, it says, uh, to champion a focus on wellness that acknowledges the role of mental health, spirituality, and complementary and alternative medicine across the lifespan. Now, what caught me in that was that it was very interesting that this national panel, this sort of uh, five-star panel of folks working for the National Center on Chronic Disease were suggesting that spirituality would be a part or could be an effective part of this new health care plan. And so I sort of ended up linking those two concepts together to say, well, um, what kinds of spirituality 
uh, uh, would be effective in that sort of work and how we could draw on some things that uh, would be helpful uh, to access that to help our, our clients uh, be able to find a, a life in recovery. So that was sort of the link that I had between the brain science and uh, and treatment and kind of anticipating some of the things that may be coming down the road now uh, with our, our health care plan in, in the United States. Right. You know, it's interesting um, as you say that, that the idea about putting spirituality as an important part of health care is now coming, again, from a governmental uh, study it's being showing up in scientific studies of of the brain, and I know that at uh, Sundown M Ranch, that's a twelve step I think facilitation based program. So immersed in the twelve steps. Right. So how does that link up with what the twelve steps have said, or what Bill Wilson, one of the co-founders of AA, said about spirituality and well being? Well, the uh, the sort of foundational principle there is that, uh, well, it's found in the second step. It says that we uh, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore our lives to sanity. Uh, and, of course, uh, back in 1935, uh, they didn't have spec scans and uh, other kinds of ways to, to look at the brain, but there was a, a sense with them that, uh, that a person making a, a spiritual connection and being active in spiritual practices uh, could actually, uh, well, as they said, their life could be restored to sanity, or we might uh, think of it more in terms of uh, restorative mental health uh, based on uh, spiritual activities uh, of one sort or another. Um, and again, this has been reinforced by uh, varieties of studies that have been done uh, more, much more recently. Uh, for instance, uh, um, there was a study by the Harvard Medical School back in 2007 uh, that uh, uh, said that uh, that the mindfulness approach. Uh, may effectively replace medications for some patients. Uh, another uh, article was saying that uh, uh, those kinds of practices um, could uh, combat such maladies as breast cancer, asthma, obesity, diabetes, hypertension, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, all sorts and varieties of things, and that uh, uh, MRIs have revealed that there's actual changes that happen in the brain. So even though Bill W. and the early AA pioneers didn't know about uh, those kinds of practices and the effect on the brain, they were very much aware that significant changes happen when a person turns their heart, their mind uh, over to the care of a, a power greater than themselves and allowing that uh, spiritual power to, to have a positive effect on their lives. Right. You know, what's interesting to me, too, is uh, back back to the study you uh, talked about initially here today with uh, uh, comparing Catholic nuns meditating with Buddhist monks meditating, that basically the changes in the brain were, I'm guessing, 
pretty much the same. So how do they account for that? Obviously, Buddhism and, and Catholicism have pretty different uh, belief structures or, or points of view structures. So how could it be that uh, they'd get similar results? Right. And that, of course, is a very uh, fascinating uh, uh, concept because apparently uh, from those studies that the belief system and uh, the type of prayer even that was being done was not the thing that changed the brain, uh, but that just the fact that a person was uh, focusing in whatever their uh, belief was and their practice was that that brought about the change. So what that would say is that what you pray or who you pray to isn't necessarily uh, doesn't necessarily make any difference. What they did note, though, was that uh, the repetition, the practice of that spirituality, was what made the changes. So a person couldn't say. Uh, never have prayed or never have meditated or done some kind of mindfulness meditation of some kind and expect that, uh, oh, just, I'll just give it one try and my brain's gonna change. Uh, it would change because there was repeated uh, spiritual practice that over time, just, just like, uh, uh, weightlifting, for instance, would bring about positive effects in your mus- muscular structure, that repeated spiritual practices would bring about positive changes in the brain. Uh, so, and this is one of the things that I actually appreciate about the 12-step recovery program is that they make it very clear that we don't all have to believe the same thing about spirituality. Uh, all we have to do is practice the spirituality that makes sense to us. So we see that reference to things like the God of your own understanding, for instance, that uh, and referring to that uh, uh, God as a power greater than yourself or a higher power. Uh, and so they're not going to argue, <laughs> and this is one of the things that I emphasize here at Sundown, is we're, uh, I'm not interested in arguing with people about who's right and who's wrong with regard to it, but just to say, whatever it is that you believe, make sure you practice, 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 practice. That's what's going to uh, affect the change. Right. Well, with that, and uh, uh, we just have a moment here uh, before our break, is um, and, and actually, I think I'll just I'll wait till we get back from the break. But but you can be thinking about this, Bill. Is that, okay? And what your response is is this this whole idea of, of whether or not it it's that mindfulness and meditation and or whether it's like prayer and communication. So is it the actual mindfulness type thing and the sitting, the quiet, or is it the other? But hang on to that. Listeners, we'll be right back. My guest today is Bill Starr, who um, is the chaplain at Sundown M Ranch, which is an addiction treatment facility in Washington State. And we're talking about spirituality. It's good for your brain. We'll be right back. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. 
Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. Chris Michaels, host of The Prosperous Life on Unity Online Radio, is an author, life coach, national speaker, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Living in Kansas City, Missouri. Through his writing, coaching, and speaking, Chris has helped thousands of people understand the basic spiritual principles that govern our lives. In his book, Your Soul's Assignment, he reminds us that we each have something to do here on earth, a unique purpose to our lives. If you're interested in discerning what is yours to do, are looking for practical spiritual principles to inspire your life, or coaching to provide you with the tools to live more fully, visit Chris's website at www. .chrismichaels.net That's www.chrismichaels.net Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, our topic today is spirituality. It's good for your brain. And my guest is Bill Starr. Bill um, is a, an ordained minister. He has a doctorate of ministry. He's also a certified um, chemical dependency professional and a master um, addiction certified chemical dependency professional. He is the chaplain at Sundown M Ranch, which is an addiction treatment facility in Sela, Washington, and is a frequent presenter at statewide and national conferences, focusing on spirituality, trauma, and grief recovery, and listening skills. And um, he's sharing with us wonderful ideas that he uses with people that are in recovery uh, about spirituality and the brain research that goes along with that, and the importance of practicing spiritual uh, practices on a regular daily basis. 
Before I get back to my conversation with Bill, I invite you to join me in a moment of spiritual practice, the Serenity Minute, a moment where we uh, take a time out to focus on a constructive idea, to be aware of our breath, and to take just a moment in the quiet. So I invite you to be aware of yourself, to be aware of your breath, to allow that breath to help you relax from the crown of your head all the way through your body temple, through the tips of your fingers and the tips of your toes, to allow your mind to relax. Place your awareness in your heart and share with me this constructive idea. I practice a daily connection with the higher power as I understand it. I practice a daily connection with my higher power as I understand it. And we take a moment now in the quiet. Thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute. I trust that that was an opportunity for you to make that conscious contact with your higher power. I'm back now to my conversation with my guest, Bill Starr, who's the chaplain at Sundown M Ranch, speaking with us about spirituality. It's good for your brain. So, Bill, before the break, um, we were talking about that study about which when they looked at the brains of the the Catholic nuns and the um, Zen Buddhist monks who had been meditators for a long time, who had a steady practice or prayer practice. And my question is, um, what was it that seemed to make the difference, or did it matter? Was it the actual meditation, meaning the relaxing, the sort of finding that quiet place, allowing the mind to relax, or was it the active prayer, talking to God, or thinking positive thoughts, or either or none of the above, or both, or did they address that? Well, that that's a, a wonderful question. I um, I've been pondering that since you asked it a little bit ago. Um, I, you know, I think at least from what I can tell, uh, it you don't really know for sure. Uh, the brain uh, scans don't really indicate what that is. I mean, I have my own personal beliefs uh, about a personal God who uh, engages with people and makes a difference and change in their lives if we surrender ourselves to, to him. But uh, uh, obviously a Buddhist monk would not have that same belief and yet still got positive results so uh it's really would be very hard to to nail that down i think at least from the brain science but it Mm -hmm. does point out something that i think is very helpful and i i actually do this with our patients here at sundown is that i i try to picture that the idea of spirituality like a, a big umbrella that covers a wide variety of spiritual practices and beliefs um, and uh, that one of the things that's under that umbrella is religion but it's not the only option and what that what I tell the patients at that point is that 
Uh, you don't have to be religious in order to be spiritual. You don't have to have certain doctrinal beliefs in a certain uh, specific higher power. Uh, that there are wide varieties of things that you can practice that all come under the umbrella of spirituality. But on the other hand, if you do have specific religious doctrinal beliefs, uh, you're not discouraged from having those either. So it's a very permission-giving program. And I really encourage our patients to say, you know, you don't have to uh, worry that we're going to try to convert you to one set of beliefs or another, but instead we'd like to help you to find something that makes sense to you, that you're going to actually use and allow to develop and grow in your life, and that you're going to experience positive outcomes from that regardless of what that foundation is. Um, and so I, I really try to emphasize that concept with people so that I think people oftentimes get spooked uh, by the whole topic of religion or spirituality and think, oh, no, what if I don't do it right? Or what if I pick the wrong higher power or something like that? And I like to be able to kind of take that out of the equation and say, you know, just pursue what makes sense to you right now, let it develop and grow over time, uh, and allow uh, that power outside of yourself to uh, mold and change and direct your life as you surrender to it. And so that's sort of my long answer to your simple question. <laughs> no, that's good. Well, let me ask you this. What's and, and and what's the range of things that you uh, see with people? And I know in in your actual uh, work there, of course, you're working with people that are very new in recovery, or um, uh, and perhaps and there you may also I don't know have encounters and otherwise within your work or whatever with people that maybe have longer term recovery. But but whether it's I mean, you know, short-term or long-term recovery. What are some of, what's the range of, or, or what are the kinds of practices that you see uh, people using that do help them? The kinds of spiritual practices, sort of what's the range and what variety do you see? Well, I, the majority of people that I see have had, um, um, have a, some kind of a history with what might be thought of as as traditional Christian teaching, whether it's Catholic or Protestant or some variations of those things. But I have I talk to people with lots of different responses to that. So there's that's my biggest category. But I have people that hate the church. I have people that have been wounded by the church. I have people who love and are fully committed to that. Uh, people that are questioning. People who have you know doubts, frustrations. So. so that's the biggest group, but they're certainly not all uh, equally enthused and committed to uh, to those beliefs. And and most of them are still searching for uh, an open connection with uh, God that would uh, be life changing for them. And they just feel like they they haven't found it yet. Some have, but not the majority. Not we do have quite a few uh, folks that are uh, from Native American uh, spiritual practices, and uh, I, I do share some materials uh, uh, with them. Uh, the 
The book that I most often use is called The Red Road uh, to Wellbriety, which was written by uh, Donald Coyus. And uh, a lot of our Native uh, uh, patients uh, really appreciate the, the, uh, the healing, um, the medicine wheel and the four directions and the four colors and the, the language around that. Um, then we have a smattering of other uh, beliefs, backgrounds, uh, occasionally, well, I'd say probably Buddhist uh, would be probably the next uh, greatest uh, uh, Jewish, Muslim, varieties of other what we think of as world religions. But I think many people uh, just have sort of a general uh, love for nature uh, or belief in, in some sort of cosmic consciousness or energy that uh, uh, would be empowering to them. And, you know, I work really hard at trying to help nurture people in whatever uh, path they seem to identify with the most to uh, find a way to help that work for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. great. And what encourages them, um, again, I, this is kind of a broad question, but what helps people to make that commitment to practice whatever it is that, that they are finding as their belief? I know that you were saying that was the important part in that study was that people actually practiced and that they practiced on a regular yes. basis. What supports that? What helps people do that? Right. Well, um, I think a couple things. Um, I, do, I have a couple other sorts of pieces of board work that I share with the patients that uh, kind of highlights that. Um, uh, one is um, I take this, the, the first three steps of, of the 12 steps and map it out sort of like a, a three snowball uh, snowman. So I've got these three stacked on top of each other, and then it's got a set of legs underneath it. And to say that the, the step one is about the problem, and the problem, of course, in step one is powerlessness. Uh, step two uh, is the solution, and step two tells us that the solution is a power source that's greater than we are that can help us do what we can't do, that we're powerless to do on our own. And then the third snowball in my snowman is a decision. And this is where it kind of draws into your question because basically we're called to make a decision to turn our lives and wills over to the care of this higher power. This is not just a philosophical uh, exercise of, oh, let's let's just... uh, uh, ponder the truths of the universe or something we're really taking action to to turn our lives and wills over and i take these two little legs at the bottom and say really the decision leads us in two different directions if we if we decide not to turn it over uh we're basically reverting back to our own self will we become our own higher power and that the big book of aa says that the result of that is uh, jails, institutions, and death. Uh, on the other hand, if we make a decision to turn our lives and wills over to the care of our the 
higher power, a God of our understanding, that the expected outcome is uh, a life that's happy, joyous, and free. And so I basically say, you know, it's up to you. I'm not going to force anybody to make a decision one way or the other, but I encourage them to say, uh, if you want a positive outcome, you've got to make an active choice. You can't just kind of dance around philosophical ideas uh, and, and expect to get positive results. So that's, right. that's one piece that I use. Uh, another thing which is kind of interesting is there's been some uh, uh, studies done that indicate that uh, when we have a craving uh, for a substance, uh, that there's an increase in dopamine in our brain that happens. We haven't used anything, but just the thought of using it pumps dopamine into our system, then it kind of uh, uh, goes down a bit, uh, and uh, and then over the course, that craving will last, you know, maybe between 30 seconds to two minutes, maybe. Um, and then if we use, of course, there's a huge spike in dopamine at that point, but there's a gap in there between the craving and the use that, say, 30 to 120 second gap that uh, I like to think of as the God moment, that we can either choose to address that craving with a substance or we can make another choice. And what this is where the practice comes in of saying uh, we can't uh, assume that we're going to make a good choice we've never practiced. So what we need to do is practice that God moment on a regular basis so that when that craving comes, and it will, uh, that we're not scrambling around trying to figure out, oh, gosh, what do I do now? But instead be able to say, I know exactly what to do. The craving has come. I need to do some deep breathing. I need to do a visualization. I need to get on my knees and pray to my Savior or whatever you do that you do regularly and is just uh, as natural a response as uh, jumping if you touch a hot stove. Um, that That's where the the uh, continued sobriety is going to be. That, uh, that, that craving is responded to by a practice that a spiritual practice that you have rehearsed over and over and over again, uh, not something you're trying to figure out at the moment. Right. Um, you know, it's interesting when, as you're talking about that, uh, I know that you had um, discussed another study that sounds like it might be related to this, the one by Dr. Rick Hansen that said that MRIs reveal that even eight weeks of mindfulness meditation can create a positive shape or a change in the hippocampus, a part of the brain, and calm down that system. So it's almost yes. like, if, so what it, how, t- tell us a little bit more about that and how that relates to what you're saying about that God moment between the craving and the choice about what am I going to do about it. Right. Well, I think it says two things. One, what I've already said is that uh, it gives us an uh, an instant response that we have practiced uh, that is positive and is not using a substance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's certainly uh, one of the things. Apparently, also, that ongoing practice will change uh, the structure of our brain uh, in such a way that uh, we would um, 
anticipate, and we would just know this over long-term recovery, that those cravings will probably become uh, less frequent and less intense over time. That would be part of what would change in the brain. And also, uh, during that sobriety time when we're, our brain is healing and with spiritual practices, the prefrontal cortex of our brain, which is the part of the brain that has to do with judgment and decision-making, uh, will get stronger and stronger. And the, the uh, impulse response that comes from the pleasure pathway will become less and less. It will be diminished. And so uh, that practice will affect changes in the brain that will uh, change the number of cravings and the intensity of the cravings and our ability to respond in a rational, positive way, uh, that, that would be part of the effect along with just, I know what to do. <laughs> when Wonderful. I have this experience, I turn to this response. All right. That's a great reason to, to stay in contact with your higher power. Very practical. Absolutely. It's time yes, for our break. Indeed. We'll be right back. Um, our topic today is spirituality. It's good for your brain. And my guest is Bill Starr. We'll be right back. Chris Michaels, host of Healing Your Life on Unity Online Radio, is an author, life coach, national speaker, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Living in Kansas City, Missouri. Through his writing, coaching, and speaking, Chris has helped thousands of people understand the basic spiritual principles that govern our lives. In his book, Your Soul's Assignment, he reminds us that we each have something to do here on Earth, a unique purpose to our lives. If you're interested in discerning what is yours to do, are looking for practical spiritual principles to inspire your life, or coaching to provide you with the tools to live more fully, visit Chris's website at www.chrismichaels.net. That's www.chrismichaels.net. Just like life, grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? Join Reverend Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'll light a candle in your name. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. And now, here's Anna. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, our topic today is spirituality. It's good for your brain. And uh, my guest is Bill Starr. 
Bill is an ordained uh, Presbyterian minister. He is the chaplain at Sundown M Ranch, which is a addiction treatment center in Sela, Washington, which has uh, been in, in service for a long time. Uh, Bill holds a doctorate of ministry. He also has a, a master's of divinity from Princeton Theological Seminary, and his DMN is from Fuller Theological Seminary. He uh, is a certified chemical dependency counselor and a master counselor in the state of Washington, and he is a frequent presenter at statewide and national conferences on the topic of spirituality and recovery. So, um, Bill, we've been having lots of great uh, discussions here about brain science and spirituality and how it changes your brain and all that in very practical ways. Spirituality is pretty practical. And I know you have a wonderful, uh, yeah, a system that you have developed called the four P's, which is, again, another great tool of practical, uh, bringing spirituality into practicality. So tell us about the four P's of spirituality. Right. Well, um, what we've talked about so far sort of opens this window that there are lots of different possibilities for what a person might practice spiritually that would help them get and stay clean and sober, uh, which is a nice concept. But uh, what I discovered after I'd been working in this field for a little while is people really wanted some more clarity about, well, what could I choose, or how do I go about making a connection with that uh, that higher power? And it came to me that, uh, well, one of the statements that you'll find often in in uh, the AA community is that we need to um, to focus on the solution rather than on the problems. And what that sparked for me is to say, well, maybe what we need to do is to identify what's the problem, what is it that I'm struggling with or what are patients struggling with that they might need uh, uh, some help with. And so I I tell them, you know, uh, starting with the problem is a good place to start because everybody's got problems, you know. Uh, The speaker has problems, you know, the counseling staff, everybody's got problems. You know, you don't have to be chemically dependent to have problems. I say, you know, all God's children got problems, you know. It's just sort of a uh-huh. universal thing. Uh, some of those are internal problems, stress, anger, frustration, disappointment, grief, guilt, you know, all that. And external things, physical problems, health problems, job problems, financial problems, all sorts of problems. So we can all get on board because we all have problems. But then to st- instead of staying stuck in the problem, uh, which is the first P, uh, the second P is that we're to make a connection connection with a partner that can help us deal with the problem. We're not looking for something that's going to just fix it for us, just take it away and magically the problem disappears, but something that we partner with that we really can connect with. And then I make a whole list of different options, and I ask them to suggest different options. And oftentimes they'll come up with uh, nature or uh, AA or NA, uh, music, uh, um, ancestors, uh, along with a variety of other things, including um, almost always somebody will say God. And then I mention, well, God could mean a lot of different things for different people. So, you know, we just kind of put all these different partners. Now, when I first uh, developed this, I jumped immediately from problem to partner, then partner to the third P, which was payoff. 
and I originally called this system the three P's. It was like, okay, I got a problem. I connect with my partner, whoever, whatever that is, and then I start looking for the positive outcomes, the payoffs. But what I realized after I'd worked on that for a while and worked with patients on that for a while, it's kind of back to the brain science, and that is it's not going to work unless you work a program that activates that partner to help you deal with your problems. Mm-hmm. So I added that uh, fourth P, uh, which is program. So the four P's now are problem, partner, program, payoff. And it really emphasizes the idea that we're not looking for a higher power to come swooping in like a cosmic Santa Claus, fix all our problems and disappear, uh, but instead that we have to actively engage with that partner. Um, and back to the changes that happen in the brain and in our, our habits and practices and responses to uh, cravings and other things, that if we're not uh, working an active program, we're not going to get the payoff we're looking for. And of course, uh, folks in AA would recognize the statement: "It works if you work it. <laughs> you got to work it. You got to do the leg work. Uh, it's not just going to be magically taken away." So that's the four P's and sort of how I got there, and sort of how it connects with the brain science that we've been talking about so far. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I, I love this because it is it's so clear and uh, I think really helpful. It can it help people get a handle on it. And what I really like, too, is what you were just saying there about the program part is that each of us as an individual has to activate or engage with that partner, that it gets away from the magical uh, thinking. To me, that's one of the great gifts that uh, the twelve step programs have brought, as well as many other things, but they—it's like you got to do something. Um, you know, certainly I've heard, and I'm sure you've heard this um, from your patients there. This idea that well, I went to church for years and it didn't do me any good, and you know, whatever. And what they'll say, whatever. But somehow, it's, I'm not saying it's the church's fault or whatever, but somehow they missed that piece in there. Right, and you hear you the same thing with people that went to AA. They say, "Well, I went to AA, it didn't work." Mm-hmm, well, right. why didn't it work? You know, did you share at the meeting? Did you get a sponsor? Did you work any step? Oh, no, no. I just, you know, I sat in the back, had a cup of coffee, uh, left early. Well, you know, they didn't really work a, an AA program. Uh, you know, they, they just thought that they'd show up and somehow be transformed or something. And I think the same kind of magical thinking, thinking happens in churches and synagogues and mosques and sweat lodges, you know. It's just not going to, it's not magic. You got to work the program. That's right. Yeah, that whole, yeah, I love that, that whole idea of engagement. So, what is it that, um, again, uh, kind of an unanswerable question in a way, but um, that, that you see, what's, what's the difference in people that you see that might be, end up practicing their spirituality and those that um, don't? What's the, bottom line motivator or what's the bottom line thing that helps people to get engaged uh, well that, that's a that's a very interesting question and my my immediate response is that they finally have uh, given up trying to do this all by themselves mm-hmm. uh, that uh, 
you know, uh, unfortunately, we uh, we recognize that that relapse is is a common occurrence for people who are trying to get clean and sober, uh, and they'll try something and uh, give up for one reason or another, return back to their old behaviors, and uh, you know, recycle and recycle. Uh, and uh, I think most of the people that that I see that really get it are people who are willing to surrender and say, I have tried, I'm a tough person. I am, a, you know, I am, have lots of uh, uh, self-will and all that sort of thing. And none of that has helped me to conquer this disease. And I just, I know I need to surrender to the program. And part of the program is a power greater than myself. And so, um, um, and I think that that's probably been a spiritual principle outside of the recovery community for centuries, for millennia, <laughs> that, uh, you know, when we take things back into our own hands, we tend to screw it up. Uh, when we give it back to our higher power, uh, then that's, and surrender, uh, you know, no strings attached, uh, then that's when we begin to have, uh, have positive changes and transformation in our lives. And I know that's been true just in, even in my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you, you hear the, the common statement in, in treatment facilities, you know, your best thinking got you here. <laughs> and mm-hmm. to say, okay, uh, my best thinking didn't work, so I, I guess I'm going to need to have my thinking changed and surrender to some power greater than me. Right, for sure. Well, you know, that concept, what, what you were just bringing up about relapse, um, and, and as you said, I think there's even more of a recognition now that addiction is a chronic disease, and so um, it doesn't mean that everybody should relapse, but that, as you say, it's often a common occurrence. It can be a, a learning process, or that's the best use of a relapse, is, is as a learning process. Okay. So right. in that regard, um, how does the idea of spiritual practice fit into uh, when people do relapse, and again, uh, sometimes it's part of it, it how does the, the spiritual practice fit into this, the idea that relapse can at its best be a learning process right um yeah i i totally agree with what you said you know first of all that this is a chronic progressive disease and that it's uh uh, but i don't believe that relapse has to be a uh a symptom of the disease but uh, Mm -hmm. it oftentimes is Mm -hmm. um i think um my answer to your question though um I've, and this is just a gut reaction. I don't. I don't have any necessarily science to back this up. But my my sense is that um, a person would have to have some sense that this power greater than themselves values them, whether they're succeeding or not. Mm-hmm. That it's not it's not what what is uh, you know sort of uh, often referred to as works righteousness you know that you have to do do good things in order to have 
God, let's say, uh, love you or care for you or want to help you. You don't earn that, but that this this higher power has a positive regard for you uh, as an individual person, that you have value, that you are somebody who is precious and um, deserves uh, to be sober. And that... Um, that spirituality, I think, grabs a person at that point and says, uh, it's not time to give up. Uh, uh, turn, turn to a higher power. Uh, seek help, uh, not from one who is standing over you as a judge, but one who is wanting to come alongside you as a partner, as a friend, as an encourager to, uh, to help you, uh, overcome this this addiction and uh, I, I really sense that that's probably in many ways one of the most profound pieces uh, again not scientifically based necessarily but just experientially based the people that make it are people who feel like uh, they can uh, they can fail and try again and not be rejected but that they are loved unconditionally by this power greater than themselves and uh, that uh, that person, that power hasn't given up on them so they shouldn't give up on them either. That is absolutely beautiful and I want to thank you Bill for being my guest today and uh, and thank you for uh, that last beautiful, beautiful expression of grace. And um, mm-hmm. that, that was beautiful. So um, my guest today is Bill Starr. Again, he's the chaplain at Sundown M Ranch, an addiction treatment facility in Washington State. You can find out more about him and what he does at www.sundown.org. And uh, he's shared with us lots of great inspiration and information about how spirituality is good for the brain. So again, Bill, thanks for being my guest today. Thank you so much, Anna. And thank you all for listening with us, and uh, we'll be back next week on Spirit of Recovery. God bless. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Mayhem to Miracle, from Disaster to Divine, Rants to Revelations Radio finds the opportunities for spiritual growth in everyday moments. Drawing from current headlines to pop culture, Reverend Ogan blurs the lines between the sacred and the profane, bringing meaning to the meaningless, with guests who are dedicated to transforming the world for good. Join Ogan live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central for Rants to Revelations Radio. Inspiration only takes a moment. 
we invite you to consider these words from Unity author Charles Roth. Live deeply in the present moment. If you are going to work on the premise that real energy, real excitement, that feeling of being fully and enthusiastically alive comes from a source within you, then it follows that you have to spend some time getting acquainted, being at home in those far reaches of inner space. Peace is power, for out of stillness, strength is born, and out of inner harmony, productivity flourishes. Rest in that inner peace. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again, don't take your dreams lying down. <laughs> 